Trigger warning. The following episode may contain content that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. In the freezing cold month of February 1957, a box is discovered in the woods in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where hunters like to set illegal traps. The box seems to be nothing, just discarded trash after a big purchase. But inside the box lies one of America's most heart-wrenching unsolved cases. This is the story of the boy in the box. On Susquehanna Road in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, on February 25, 1957, a hunter finds a box while he was checking his traps. The box was fairly large. It had been from a bassinet purchase. And the man checks it out and discovers a body wrapped in a plaid blanket. The man was afraid of what the cops would do if they found out about his illegal traps, so he did not report the boy's body. After a few days, a college student saw a rabbit run into a nearby bush, and he knew that there were traps in the area, so he went to go take a look to see if one of them got caught. He found the body as well. And unfortunately, he did not report the boy's body at first either. But eventually, when he heard about a missing four-year-old girl named Mary Jane Barker, he started to feel the weight of what he had done, and he called it in. When police arrived at the scene, they discovered a three- to seven-year-old boy. He was naked, beaten, and had seemed as though he had been groomed and cleaned recently. His nails had been trimmed, his hair was cut and neat. He had suffered extreme physical abuse before his death. He had multiple bruises. He was malnourished, covered in scars, some even surgical. One on his ankle, one on his groin, and one on his chin. The police think that the boy died from blunt force trauma, and they have yet been able to identify him. So they take the boy's fingerprints, and they are pretty optimistic about finding his identity because somebody has to be missing their child. But no one comes forward, and his prints reveal nothing. The case gained massive media attention. Flyers were handed out, and even an insert was put into the gas bill so everybody could see it in the town. But still, no leads, no parent comes forward, no one is missing this child. The police go back to the scene where the body was found and they comb it over and over again. They find a man's blue corduroy jacket, a child's scarf, and a man's white handkerchief with a G in the corner of it. All of these clues led nowhere, just random findings in the woods. The police try one more attempt to maybe help identify him and they decide to dress his dead body up and position him in a chair, like how he would have kind of looked in life, and they released it to the public. But still, nothing. A forensics team in 2016 used facial reconstruction to give a more accurate picture to the public. Nothing came from it. There are a few theories surrounding this case. One of them is about a local foster home that was about one and a half miles away from where the body was found. In 1960, an employee of the medical examiner's office named Remington Bristow. This man was 
dedicated to this case, and he pursued the case until the day he died in 1993. He had contacted a psychic in New Jersey who told him to look for a house and describe the house in great detail. The description matched the foster home. When he brought the psychic out to Philadelphia, she led Bristow straight to the foster home. He wasn't really able to do anything with the information since it was just a psychic's word. He decided to try to investigate in a different manner. The foster home had an estate sale coming up, and Bristow decided to attend. When he was there, he was in search of several things, and he found them. He saw a bassinet that was up for sale, and it was the exact one that was on the box that the boy was found in. He also saw blankets that were hanging on a clothesline drying that were the same as the ones that the boy's body had been wrapped in. Bristow thinks that the stepdaughter of the man who ran the foster home was the boy's mother. And the death was an accident, and they didn't want people knowing that the boy was hers since she was unwed. Years later, the police had interviewed the father and his now wife, which was previously his stepdaughter, and nothing came of it. So they closed the theory down. My wonder, and it's an awful wonder, is if this theory were true, would the stepfather have been protective of the secret of the child because the stepdaughter was unmarried? Or was it because the child was maybe actually his? And him and his stepdaughter had been having an affair for a while before they decided to get married. Here is another theory, and this one's going to make your stomach turn. A woman that we know as just Martha comes forward in 2002. Her claims that I'm about to tell you were not taken seriously at all because she was considered not mentally well. But the information that she gives is almost too in-depth not to be real, not to be taken seriously. She claimed that her abusive mother had bought a boy from his birth parents in 1954, and she said that his name was Jonathan. The boy was physically and sexually abused by the mother for two and a half years. One night at dinner, the boy vomited his meal of baked beans and was given a brutal beating for making the mess. His head was slammed into the floor until he almost lost consciousness. The mother then gave him a bath, and that is when he died of his injuries. It's very odd to the police because they never released the details of the boy's body and the findings from the autopsy. Because you see, his stomach contents had baked beans in them. And his fingers were pruny from just having a bath. Martha said that the boy's hair was very long usually, and so people wouldn't recognize him with short hair, which is why the mother had cut his hair, which explains why his hair would have recently been trimmed and brushed. The mother then had Martha help her get rid of the body. Martha told police that while they were pulled over at the Fox Chase wooded area, which is where the boy was found, a man was passing by and he stopped because he thought that the mother and the girl needed help. The mother eventually convinced the man that they were just fine and that he, he should just go on his way. And he listened. This also matched a previous witness report who recounted the same statement, that he was the man who had saw these two girls. 
The man said that the box had already been there, though, and so that means that they would have just put his body into it. The boy was buried with a gravestone that said, America's Unknown Child, still unknown today. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done so already, please make sure that you leave us a rating. This really helps our podcast grow and allows us to reach more listeners.